0: and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's word. Enjoy the message. Would you please stand, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're continuing in our series that we began three Sundays ago, going through this Holy Spirit-inspired letter to the Corinthian church and to us as New Testament church find ourselves in chapter 2 today, and I'm going to begin by reading verses 4 and 5 at the beginning of this message, and then we will uh, continue on through the text throughout our moments together. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that Your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. It's so easy for our confidence to be in a person, or what a person says, or what a person does. And Paul's trying to make clear, hey, we can't place our confidence in human wisdom. Let's place our confidence in God's power. And, Lord, I pray over these next few moments as we're in your word that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would do a work in each one of us. Because I I don't have any wise or persuasive words. I don't have any eloquent words to share today. We're just asking you to cause there to be a demonstration of the Spirit's power in our hearts and in our lives and through our lives. Give us understanding that only you can. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, we say amen. 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 You can be seated. We all know that Russia has been in the news, and honestly, I think it's been in the news since I've been alive. It continues to be and will for some time. Years ago, a missionary to Russia wrote about his experience when he lived there, and he visited the most famous museum in all of Russia. It's the State Hermitage in St. Petersburg, Russia. And the time at which he had first visited this museum was when, uh, co- when the USSR was kind of coming to an end, the Soviet Union was kind of coming to an end, but at that time still uh, communism and atheism was prevalent and pushed in that nation. and. He went to this museum and as he walked around, he was uh, noticing all the different paintings and the collections, uh, many of them from the time of Catherine the Great, and, and, and he was really drawn to a painting by Rembrandt, and it was the painting of uh, the resurrection of Lazarus by Jesus Christ. Remember when he, Jesus like, come on out, <laughs> come on out, it's time, and he raised him from the dead. In front of all those people, and we, we, we just know that God is power, is resurrection and life. And he, he was drawn. It was just done so well. It was captivating to him. And he, he draws in to look closer at this painting. He's like, wow. And then he looked down and there was a plaque underneath this painting that said this, in quotes, the fairy tale of Jesus Christ raising Lazarus from the dead. He was stunned, and he began to go around and look at other paintings in the the collection, if you will, uh, depicting the miracles of Jesus and the life and the teaching of Jesus. And as he looked, every single one of them had it listed as a fairy tale. You see, the communists were trying to take God out of the equation. And by depicting these paintings as fairy tales, they were trying to put them on the same level as Peter Pan and Little Red Riding Hood. They did that in their human wisdom. See, human wisdom says we don't need God. Human wisdom says miracles can't happen, that everything evolved from nothing somehow. It, 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 Human wisdom says that there is no right and there is no wrong. Human wisdom says that we've got it all figured out. And if we bring it home, we at times can slip into living with human wisdom or by human wisdom. A couple examples. Maybe it's a, a teenager who wants to, and she's a believer and she wants to date this guy. And the guy is not a follower of Christ. And the word of God says do not be unequally yoked. But she says I know better. I hear this from people uh, and in conversations, sometimes in premarital counseling where uh, a couple is living together before marriage and they have all of their reasons, it saves money. It makes more sense. It's more convenient. But what happens often when the couple is living together before they... Get married, often they start sleeping together before they get married. And the Bible is very clear. But, but what many operate in is human wisdom, saying, oh, we know better. I know God said that, but that we aren't to, to engage in sex before marriage, but, but we know better. This is going to save us money. That's what the world says. That's human wisdom. Does that make sense? It's human wisdom. Human wisdom says it's okay to terminate a pregnancy. It's okay to kill an unborn baby. That's human wisdom. It's human wisdom that says that a, that a, a tells a child and pushes that on a child that they can choose whichever gender they want to be despite their God given design, birth, sex. That's human wisdom. What is human wisdom? Human wisdom is trying to live life without God. We don't need God. 2,000 years ago, God's wisdom. Poof, Came to planet earth in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the wisdom and the power of God. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came. And, and when he came, he, 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 he caused a stir, if you will. That's an understatement. In fact, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders of the day got their panties on a bunch. Because Jesus just turned everything that they held dear on its head. Just flipped it around. Everything. Now, the, the Jewish religious leaders were actually operating in human wisdom as well. Now, they weren't saying we don't need God. They were saying in their human wisdom, we want God, but we want him to be fit into our little box of religion. That's something else that we can slip into. That's human wisdom. To think that God could have ever, would ever, will ever fit into our little boxes can't happen. See, when Jesus came, the wisdom and the power of God, he, he began to flip the script. Human wisdom said, make a name for yourself. And Jesus said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Human wisdom said, hey, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Repay evil for evil. Get revenged. And Jesus came in and said, love your enemies. Do good to those who shamefully treat you. What? Human wisdom says, eat, drink, and be merry. That was one of the common statements even 2,000 years ago. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Live it up. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? See, there is a vast difference between human wisdom and God's wisdom. Uh, God spoke about this so many times as we read through scriptures. But one specific one, one that many of you know is Isaiah 55, where God said, my ways are not your ways, little human beings. my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher, higher, higher than your thoughts. There's a vast difference between human wisdom and God's wisdom. It is at a different level. Imagine if a, a little fly flew in here. Those little bitty flies flew in here and landed on the on the on the platform. And I, I got down and looked at it. And and imagine this fly looking up to me and, and and thinking, Keith, I got you all figured out. I know everything about you. He's looking up at me in those really little bitty eyes. Lots of them. I got, I got you. Like, I know what bothers you. I know what makes you tick. I know what you like, what you dislike. I know what you've done. I know everything about you. 100% I know everything about I'd be like, you're crazy, fly. My wife doesn't even 100% have me figured out. I don't even have me figured out 100%. That's the truth right there. How absurd for a little bitty fly that's only going to live 15 to 30 days to look up at me and say, I got you all figured out. I got this all figured out. But even more absurd is for us humans looking up at God and being like, I got you all figured out. I got this all figured out. Maybe I don't even need you because I got it all figured out. That's human wisdom in relationship to God's wisdom. God's like, what? I mean, what would I do if a fly uh, thought that about me? I'd just be like, mm, mm, and take off. You wonder how tempting that is to God, right? And God's like, oh, my goodness, these people. Human wisdom, vast difference, God says, compared to his wisdom. It's God's wisdom. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, Paul is just laying this foundation and he's saying, look, there is a vast difference between human wisdom and God's wisdom. We're gonna make that clear as he writes these chapters. He's gonna make it clear there's a vast difference between human ways and God's ways. He's not trashing humanity, he's not trashing our knowledge and innovation and creativity. He's not doing that. He's not anti-human. What he is, is pro-God and wants to exalt God. He's like, if there's anything that we're going to boast about, we're going to boast about him. If there's anything we're going to boast about, it's him. I'm not going to come to you, Paul says, with eloquent speech, wise and persuasive words. He's like, I got nothing. I'm not as good of a communicator as those there's other guys out there. I'm not, I'm not maybe as smart as those other guys. But, but Paul's like, what I am going to do is I'm going to present Christ and him crucified. The wisdom and the power of God. And he goes on in this chapter, you see this in verse number six, where he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. You see, he's saying, I'm speaking a message of wisdom, but I'm not talking about human wisdom. I'm talking about God's wisdom. It's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden. You see, God's wisdom, God's plan for grace, for salvation through the cross was, was planned out by God before the creation of the world. It even says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that his grace has been given to us before the beginning of the world. How awesome is that? But it was kept hidden. God kept it hidden for generations and generations and generations. He kept it hidden. It was a mystery. The prophets longed to understand when uh, this is going to happen, the times and the circumstances surrounding well, how in the world they're going to be saved. Like They, they longed to look into that, and they, it wasn't all revealed to them. The Bible even says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that angels longed to look into what was going to happen and what salvation would bring to God's people, and they couldn't even see it. God had decided beforehand, I'm going to keep this a secret. It's going to be a mystery. It's going to be covered up until the day. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. None of the rulers of this age understood the wisdom of God, the plan of God in Jesus. He goes on and said, says this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I mean, if they had really known, would they have crucified Jesus? They'd really known who he was. I mean, you think about Pilate and Herod. These were educated men. They had read all of the leadership books. They had risen through the ranks into top leadership roles in the Roman Empire. One as a king, one as a governor. And when Jesus stood before them, the Son of God, with all their education, all their degrees, and all their leadership experience, at the top of the ladder in the empire, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood before them, they completely whooped whiffed on it they completely missed it right they completely missed it think about the 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 Jewish religious leaders they they were uh, the most brilliant scholars in that age and Jesus the son of God comes and stands before them and teaches in front of them and what they missed it have you ever wondered why have you ever wondered well why don't they know what we know Why didn't they do what we would do if Jesus was there? We would recognize him. Why did the religious leaders miss it? Why did the disciples at times whiff? Jesus is being arrested in the garden and they run away? Run away from the Son of God? Like what? What are you scared about? It's Jesus. But even the disciples at times had hardened hearts. Even at times God hid it from them. It was hidden from them. They didn't know the mind of God. Maybe this will help to illustrate this. Pastor Pat, um, he doesn't know I'm getting ready to do this, but uh, Pastor Pat knows me really well. We, uh, we've known each other for many years and have um, deep conversations. He's way more deep than I am, but I'm trying to catch up. We, we have conversations. We know each other. We're honest with each other, transparent with each other. Uh, Pastor Pat, I want you to read my mind and tell me what I'm thinking right now. He says, lunch. <laughs> it's not lunch. Anybody else know what thought was in my mind? Huh? No. Nothing, nothing, yeah. <laughs> That's most of the time. Okay, I'll tell you. This was in my mind. I can't believe you didn't know this. But what was in my mind that I was thinking it would be a lot of fun to have a snowball fight with Pastor Nate. That's what I was thinking. That would be a lot of fun. This is going to be fun if he took it easy on me. It, there, there's no way that another human can know exactly what you are thinking every moment of the day. There's no way. Why? They, they can't see into your mind. In the same way, humans in and of themselves can't see into the mind of God. And so uh, the, uh, the political leaders, the religious leaders, even the disciples who ate and, and, and hung out with Jesus for three years, they couldn't read the mind of God. It was hidden from them. The only way you all knew what random weird thought I had in my mind in that moment is because I told you, right? It's the only way. I revealed it to you. The only way that we can know God's heart, the only way we can know his will, the only way that we can know his ways, his thoughts, is if he chooses to reveal it. It's the only way. That's the only way. It's our only hope. And here's the good news. What we see in this passage is that God actually wants to do that. God wants to reveal his thoughts and his ways and his will for your life. He wants to. He wants to reveal even his thoughts about you and about your situation. He wants to. We see this all throughout this passage. Look, first of all, in verse 7, it says that this wisdom from God, God had destined it for our glory before time began. It was God's plan before time even began, before Adam and Eve, to give us in the time period that we are in right now, his wisdom. Verse 9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, What no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. God destined uh, this wisdom of God to be revealed to us. He, uh, He prepared us. He has prepared it for us and prepared us to receive it. And then it goes to the next verse, verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. These are the things that God has revealed. He has uncovered, he has disclosed to us and is disclosing to us. Verse 11, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that, what, we may understand what God has freely given to us. Destined for this, prepared for this. We have received this and continue to receive this wisdom from God. Uh, Revealing, God is revealing what he wants us to know. So that, what, we can be understanding of him and what he's doing. I love how verse 16 of this chapter is depicted in the message paraphrase. Message says, the question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Is there anyone that knows what God is doing, what God is thinking, what God is up to? That question has been answered. Jesus Christ knows. And we have Christ's spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And we might say, well, that's awesome. Christ's spirit is in me. God wants to reveal his wisdom. But we have to stop at least for a moment and ask the question, who gets access to this wisdom and insight and knowledge? Who gets access to God's thoughts, God's will, God's ways? Because not everybody does. And just because you're alive, it doesn't mean that you do. Who gets that? And we know it's so important to hit verse 14, which says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person without the Spirit does not have access. And the Bible typically divides people into two categories. First category are those who are people without the Spirit, without the Spirit of God. These are people who have not yet surrendered their life to Jesus. They have not yet placed their faith in God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and surrendered their life to Him. They, 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 they are, are still living as a friend of the world, which oftentimes is in opposition to friendship with God. They're they're living by mere natural instincts and not by the power of God. They're they're living by their emotions and by human wisdom. Because that's that's all that they have. Because they are without the Spirit. The other category that we often see in the Scripture is uh, the person with the Spirit. In other words, the person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The person who has placed their faith in the Lord. Because what happens at the moment of salvation is We accept Christ, our spirit, we're body, soul, spirit. Our spirit, which was dead in our trespasses and sins, comes alive. And we become in that moment a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells in us. And so as the Bible depicts those two categories, the person without the spirit, they, they cannot understand God. They cannot understand his will and his ways and his thoughts. But the person with the spirit, the person who Is a temple of the Holy Spirit, has access to God's will, God's ways, and God's thoughts. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit understands the deep things of God, and we have that Spirit. If Christ is in you, you have been adopted into His family, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, which gives you access. And one of the things that's on my heart to, to, to share today is that our God is a God of love. Like, like, he's not like, oh, I want them just to struggle, and I want them to just keep beating their head against closed doors. This is so fun. No, God wants to reveal what you need to know. He wants to reveal what you need to know. Now, you might think God should want to reveal what you think you need to know. But his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. But God's heart is that he he wants to reveal to you what you need to know. He wants to reveal to you his wisdom and his knowledge. He knows everything, he sees everything. He wants you to have greater insight into who he is. He wants your eyes to be open, enlightened. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 says, that you might know the hope to which you are called. That you might know God more and what he has planned. God wants you to know him more. And he is, as you're opening up to him, he is doing that. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So that you can know. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of everything that I said. He's going to illuminate. He's going to help you to know God more. He's going to help you to understand who you are in him. So that you can live with confidence and boldness. So that you can live a pure life. So that you can live a life with your head up, not your head down. In confidence of who you are in Christ. Who he's made you to be and the security that you have in him. He, he wants to give you insight into that. And I want you to know this. He also wants to give you insight into everyday decisions. Because we don't want to make decisions, especially big decisions or medium sized or small decisions with human wisdom. Right? Not when we have access to God's wisdom. To all knowledge. God wants to give you access. He wants you to know what you need to know. How awesome is that? Because I bet that most of us, if not all of us, are right now making decisions. We are in the middle of something, right? We're deciding about this. We're deciding about that. Maybe it's a a health situation. It's a diagnosis. And you're you're trying to discern, like, what is the best treatment plan? I've been given three options. What's going to be the best one for me? might be a business decision it could be an employee that you work with and that you're not getting along with maybe there's a wall that's been elevated between you and your spouse and you just need wisdom on how to get that wall down wisdom and and how to parent and the decisions that you have to make day after day after day just wisdom maybe it's you need god's wisdom on who to date if you're thinking about getting married, you need God's wisdom. Is this the person that I should marry and come and come, covenant, come into covenant with for the rest of my life? Those are big decisions. What am I going to do with my future? What college am I going to go to? Do I go after that other degree? Like decisions. I want you to think about that for a moment. What is something that you need wisdom for? What is something that you need wisdom for? Something like in your life right now, practically speaking, like, hmm, I'm in the middle of making this decision. What what is it? You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to think about that. Hopefully, each of us can get something in our minds of like, yeah, that is something that I'm kind of weighing through. I'm trying to figure out if this is the right direction to go or not. It's decisions. This is so important to understand that God gives us access to wisdom and his knowledge, which is all knowledge. He gives us access to his thoughts. He wants us to know what we need to know. It's so important to know that because our decisions actually matter, don't they? There's something called consequences. There's something called ramifications to the choices that we make. And so making the, the, the choices that honor the Lord, that are the choices that God wants us to make are paramount important. God wants you to know what you need to know. So how do you practically day-to-day access what he wants you to know? His will, his ways, his thoughts. I think about it like this. Let's say you're given um, a letter in the mail and it says that you now have access to the control room of the CIA headquarters. Some of us would be like, I don't even want to know what's in there. (laughs) Are you going to go? I won't say that. Um, You you access, are you given access to the control room of the CIA? So let's say you travel uh, to that building. And let me ask you, would the control room be on the sidewalk outside the building? No way. You're going to have to go through a door. And then you're probably going to have to go through another door and another door And a checkpoint and some metal detectors and probably some elevators and maybe some retina scans. I don't know. It's in the movies. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Maybe do some blood work. I don't know what all that they do. But you're going to have to go through some doors before you finally get to the control room where the information is. And in our uh, following Christ and living life on the ground, right, here on this earth, we're just, we're doing life. There are choices and decisions that we need to make, and practically speak, and I believe that there are doors that we can walk through to access the will and the ways and the thoughts of God, because he loves you. He wants you to move forward. He's not trying to hold you back. He wants you to move forward in all that he has planned for you, so what does he have planned? What decisions should you make along the way? What are the doors that you need to walk through? It's just getting really practical at the end of this message. The first door that's so key, so important, is this, the door of his word. The door of his word. I've talked with some who have received some, some very interesting advice in certain situations. Sometimes I'll ask that in a session. Like, well, what, what are the people around you saying that you should do? And, and some of the advice that they're getting, I'm like, oh my goodness. Because here's the thing. If someone, even a close friend or a family member, gives you advice that doesn't align with the word of God... Throw it faster and farther than you would a live grenade. Get it out. Because that's not going to do you any good. Here's the thing. God's will, what he's speaking to you, what he's leading you to do, will never contradict God's word. Ever. (laughs) Ever. If you're like, man, I really sense God's leading me this direction, this is the right decision. It doesn't match up with the word of God, but I just really think God's leading me. No, God is not leading you. He's not leading you to do that. God's will will never contradict God's word. Uh, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How awesome is that? God has given us his word. Like we have his word. We have access to knowledge and wisdom of God. So that we can make the right choices. That we can make the right decisions. It, it starts here. Walking through the door of his word. Secondly, uh, the door of prayer. We need to go through the door of of prayer i have found that uh, god normally doesn't speak with a microphone it's more of whisper right more of whisper it's more uh his 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 word his will settling in your your spirit as you're spending time with him and when i say prayer, i'm not just like hey god what should i do in this situation and then you walk around and then you walk away and do whatever you want to do when i say prayer i'm talking about conversation because a good conversation has more than one person talking Where you're spending time. Where you are asking, Lord, what should I do in this situation? And then waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. The the staff know that at times there will be a decision that needs to be made. Or they need help with something. And I'm just like, "Uh, let me sleep on that. Let me sleep on that. And what I'm saying is like, I need some more time. Just to pray. And just to wait on the Lord. Clarity in your decision is worth waiting for. Right? The right perspective is worth waiting for. I mean, just this week, I'd been praying about something for a long time and, and, and praying and praying and asking. And then uh, on Friday, just taking some more time for prayer and time in the word. And I was praying about that some and just, just waiting on the Lord. And, 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 and then I got clarity. I had a thought that I'd never had before. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I had never had that perspective in this situation. That was worth waiting for because that changes the game. It's the door of prayer. I love Isaiah 50. I have this uh, written out, and it's on my desk in my office. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. That's the heart of our God, the God we serve. He wants to reveal what you need to know. He wakens us morning by morning so we can have an understanding of his will. He wants to speak into us. He wants to lead us and guide us. I love that about our God. Go through the door of prayer. If you're making a big decision, don't do it without being in the word or being in prayer. Go through the door of prayer. The third is this, and it's the door of peace. This is so important. To get, through the, to get to the control room, to get to the access of God's wisdom and knowledge that he has for you because he loves you so much and he wants you to have what you need to know. Go through the door of peace. And what I mean by that is that you are waiting until the Lord settles in your heart. Not just a feeling, but you know because you know like this is the right step to take. Colossians chapter 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word rule in ancient times was used to describe officials, umpires, referees, as they judged athletic competitions. Remember when I was a kid, I I was a catcher. And uh, I heard the umpire a lot, right, because he's right by my ears, strike, ball, just a bit outside, you know, safe, out. Sometimes they were even louder than, than other ones, you know, he's like, "Safe!" i was like, oh my goodness, calm down, but it's just a game. Come on! No, I'm joking. It's pretty competitive. But that was what this word w- was in ancient times, and Paul uses it here. He says, no, let, let the peace of God be like, eh, that's safe, yeah. Go for it. Eh, out. Get out of there. Get out of there. Don't go there. It's that check in the spirit. You ever had that? Trying to make a decision and you're like, "Ooh!" Sometimes you've already started to step through the door and it's closed. That's not good. That's not good. Sometimes we want to pound through that door because we want what we want. I remember chasing my sister down the hall when she was little and annoying and, and, just, just getting, I don't know what I was going to do once I caught her, but I was chasing her down, and she would slam her door right in my face. And one time she slammed it, but I was able to get my foot right there so she couldn't get it all the way. And, and the door just went, and there was my footprint in the door. I'm like, I am dead when my dad gets home. But sometimes we do life like that, don't we? We chase after something because we really want it. And God's like, boom, the door is shut. And we're like, no, it's not. I'm going to keep pushing through. Got my foot in there. <clears throat> That's human wisdom. God, I know better. Holy Spirit loves you. If you're listening to him, if you're getting ready to make a choice, and it's a choice that God wants to protect you from, and he's providing something greater in the future if you'll trust him, he'll, he'll close that door. That doesn't mean you can't get through it. But he will close the door of Peace. And my counsel to you is, if God closes that door of peace, you don't have peace, don't push through. Don't date that person if you don't have peace. Don't send your kid to that school if you don't have peace. Hey, don't make that financial decision. Don't purchase that thing with the credit card unless you have peace. Don't buy that don't, unless you have peace. It's a door of peace. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a, that's a different way of living that's the way God wants you to live with peace in making your decisions go through the door of peace the, the next one I, I want to reference is the door of wise counsel the door of wise counsel now this is so key and so important but I don't want to give the impression that with every choice and decision that you make that you have to go around and get people around you get some wise counsel I mean I don't call the church board together I'm like all right guys I just need some wise counsel with this um Do you think I should love my wife? Do you think I should maybe pray today? What what do you guys think? Come on. The word of God speaks so clearly to so many things. So many areas of our lives. There are times that there are uh, situations that come up and you need to get wise counsel. Proverbs 11, where there is no counsel, the people fail. Keep the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We need wise counsel i 'm talking about godly people that you can go to and say hey I'm going through this this decision I think I have a piece about this. It lines up with the word but what what do you think and they probably have some questions for you like you know you know what do you think God's speaking to you, um, what's going to be the, the outcome of the? You know, they might have some questions for you, but they might be able to give you some wisdom or at least some guiding questions that will help you discover. That's even better. You can discover what God is wanting to speak to you. And often uh, God can do that and wants to do that through wise counsel. I'm so thankful for our church board who operate with God's wisdom, not human wisdom. There have been a number of times we're in conversation and one of them says something and it's like, hmm. And it's clarity. It's a it's a perspective, a divine perspective. It's it's a it's a heads up, like, uh, oh, we probably don't want to do that. And I look back and I can even pinpoint. Specifically, I'm thinking of even one just that comes to mind right now, pinpoint and moment and who it was and what they said, and it was like. Hmm. And now, later on, looking back, oh my goodness, God used that man to speak God's wisdom in that moment. Something that I had not thought about, others had not thought about. And it saved the church from making a poor decision. Wise counsel. I'm all about it. I'm all about wanting to get wise counsel around me you should be as well because there are certain decisions that you're just not sure on you've been praying about it it lines up with the word but at the timing of it whatever getting people around you not ungodly or unwise counsel but wise godly counsel around you you can say hey what do you think about this kind of throw this off of you see what your thoughts are does that make sense door of wise counsel it's not always needed once again should i pray today okay covered but it is needed At times in our lives. The door of wise counsel. The fifth one I'll mention is that we need to go through. As we're going to access the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Is the door of vision. The door of vision. This is so important for us as people. I have a friend who has a really nice glass door separating where he grills to going inside. And, and he told me that um, he had all of his food grilled, steak or whatever, and he's so happy. And he walked and he saw the kitchen there, and he's just like, bam. And then a couple weeks later, he did the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Glass doors are, are nice because you can see through them. And sometimes we need to go up to the door of vision and we can see through it, but before we smack our face into it, it's good to step back and just see, okay, what, what could come about if I make this decision? W- what are the potential pitfalls if I make this decision? What are the opportunities? What might God want to accomplish if I make this decision? What could um, what could potentially hurt my family and friends, or those around me, my life group, if I make this decision? It's vision. It's looking beyond. It's looking through the door saying, okay, this Could happen. This could be a a possible pitfall. I need to stay away from that. It's a door of vision. Proverbs 27, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And so what is this? This is just taking a step back. And before pounding our face on the glass door, it's taking a step back and surveying the landscape. Like, hmm, what should I do in this situation? God, what would honor you? And then finally, it's important to go through the door of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. As people of the Spirit, we are people of faith. We must operate with faith. And there are times when God calls us to do something that does not logically make sense. There are times when God calls us to do something, leads us in a decision or a choice, because he sees everything. And some, many times he doesn't give us the ability to see everything. Maybe Never. To see everything. But he'll give us a green light through that door of peace. Like, yeah, I need to take this step. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. To the American dream, it doesn't make sense to give money away to purchase chickens for a needy family in a country that you'll never go to. But it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. Noah looked a little crazy as he's building a boat and it hadn't rained for a really long time. Sarah, Abraham's wife, probably looked a little crazy as she's sewing maternity clothes at age 90. (laughs) Simon Peter, just think how crazy he looked when he stepped out of the boat with his shoes on. Because God's calling him to walk on the water. There are times when God calls us to do things and we got to take a step of faith. Where we trust him. We don't necessarily see the end of the line, but we have a green light we're like, this is what God's calling me to do. We're taking that step of faith. Here's the thing. God wants you to know, because he's so good, he wants you to know what you need to know. He wants to reveal what you need to know. That's our God. Young person, old person, he wants you to have access to his thoughts, his will, and his ways. So we seek him. James chapter 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, speaks of a deficiency. Oh, I need wisdom. I don't have it. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all generously. That's our God. That's our God. And God, in his wisdom, had a plan. In his wisdom, in his wisdom, his plan was for his son Jesus to come to this earth. When he walked on the earth, he didn't walk around in riches. He didn't even have a pillow to put his head on. He didn't own a home. He wasn't anything to look at. The Bible says there was nothing about his appearance that attracted us to him. He wasn't good looking. And Jesus came in the flesh. And although it wasn't impressive to, he wasn't impressive to look at, he spoke with authority and power. And he performed miracles. He is God. And he gave his life willingly. Nobody nobody saw that come. He gave his life willingly. Even though the Old Testament said it, it was hidden. It was hidden. But Jesus did it so that you could have life. Not just so that you could have access to his wisdom and his thoughts and his wills and his ways, but so that you could be right with God. In his wisdom, Jesus died a cursed death on the tree on the cross. It's God's wisdom. So that you could have life. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at cccmidland.